Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another edition of the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinels, Adam Sparks and John Adams. Tennessee was off last week. They're back in action at LSU on Saturday, noon Eastern time kickoff. And guys, it's it's interesting. While Tennessee's sitting at home last weekend, Georgia has to go really four quarters to beat Missouri. That game hung in the balance late in Columbia Mo. LSU looked pretty ugly and needed four Auburn turnovers to prevail against one of the weaker teams in the SEC. And all of a sudden, you know, it looks like, hey, wait a second. Why can't the Vols just go to Atlanta? What do you think? Coming out of the out of the off week, even more bullish on Tennessee's outlook for the season or no? Well, regardless of what our takes are going to be, I think this is a true test of Tennessee fans, whether they are of the glass half full or half empty type. Uh, and this fan base is all uh, all fan bases has both of the plenty of both of those. Because the the optimistic Tennessee fan says, "Yep, there's a there there are signs that things are moving in the Vols' favor, uh, and and they're happening now." Because, yeah, if if Tennessee plays like it's played so far and like that, uh, Tennessee easily beat Georgia. Uh, Missouri should have beaten Georgia. So there's the door open. If Tennessee plays like it does, and LSU plays like it did against Auburn, Tennessee will win that game by you know multiple touchdowns with Bryce getting banged up regardless of how serious that injury is maybe he's not 100 percent for the alabama game maybe that opens the door a little bit there the, the debbie downer in this says yeah but georgia still won so it, it got its bad performance out of the way uh yeah but lsu still won it's got its bad performance out of the way and whoever alabama has playing quarterback in a couple of weeks uh they're going to be pretty good and so the, the opportunity is there to feel better about Tennessee's chances and how the planets are maybe aligning a little better for Tennessee than past years. But anything really empirically that needed to happen to actually see did not happen because those teams still won. I think the Missouri game, it was good for every team that plays Georgia because Missouri has been so awful at times this season, particularly in a loss to uh, Auburn a week earlier. Vanderbilt can look at that game and say, well, Missouri almost beat Georgia. If Missouri can do that, we can do it. So I think that, I think that really raises the optimism for everybody, uh, Tennessee included. Um, I also think with the Bryce Young in, in, injury, Alabama, you can always think, what if Bryce Young can't play? Boy, we've got a shot then. And then I, I thought it also helped that LSU uh, looked just dreadful against Auburn in a in a game it really should have lost. I thought Auburn outplayed it, but 
Tennessee now, the three toughest games remaining, I don't think anybody can argue this, or I guess you could throw in Kentucky, but I look at LSU on the road and Bama, Alabama anywhere, and then Georgia and Athens. Uh, those are Tennessee's three toughest games. And Tennessee looks like it's more capable of beating those teams now than it did before last weekend. So it was a good weekend for Tennessee fandom. It's interesting, guys, because I, I threw out a, a power ranking this week, and I had Tennessee third. I had Alabama back in – this is an SEC power ranking. I had Alabama back in the top spot. I had Georgia two. I had Tennessee three, Ole Miss four, and Kentucky five. And someone said to me, Tennessee's overrated. You know, they beat a they, – they won a close game against Pitt. Pitt just lost to Georgia Tech. How did that happen, right? You know that they they were putting it on Florida, but Florida rallies. It's it's close. Okay, but who isn't overrated then? You know, Ole Miss needed some fortune to beat Kentucky. Kentucky missed a field goal and and uh, failed on a couple extra points in that game. If that doesn't happen, Kentucky could win that game. Kentucky, their best win is at Florida, but loses to Ole Miss. You know, you could go through the line and and kind of poke holes in almost every team in the SEC. And I think now we can even put Georgia in that group because Georgia did not look good against Missouri on Saturday. And it wasn't just like a a crazy game where they had five turnovers and Missouri recovered an onside kick and they completed a Hail Mary. No, Georgia just got beat at the line of scrimmage for most of that game. I think that's a concern, particularly after they didn't look very good the week before against Kent State. So, yeah, I I think Tennessee is an imperfect team, and particularly on defense and their secondary. I know, Adam, you had the news this week that Warren Burrell is out for the season, a defensive back, an area where they really couldn't afford any injuries. Tennessee's imperfect, but I, I see a lot of imperfect teams in college football, and I think now we have to include Georgia in that mix, and it does make me think that, yeah, I think Tennessee's got as good a claim as anyone of being the third best team in this conference. And I think they can play with anybody on their schedule because of, of how they good, how good they are on offense with, with Hinton hooker at the controls. Yeah. I think at this, at this time in the season, I think it's uh, there's a tendency to judge teams based on what they should be at the, they are a month into the season or, or because I've, I've had Tennessee fans tell me that, well, Tennessee doesn't look like a top 10 team. I'm glad they're ranked in the top 10, but they're, they're not necessarily a top 10 team all these rankings are relative to what, what is around you. And Tennessee looks as good as anybody not named Alabama and Georgia. And on a given day, they look so far, they've looked as good as those two teams. So they are what they get. And that's the third best team in the SEC. And that's certainly a top 10. I, I think everybody has shown that they've have got some blemishes so far. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to just look at the SEC. You can go right down the top 10 rankings and see games where, Michigan was in trouble at times against Maryland. Ohio State only scored 21 on Notre Dame. It's supposed to have a state-of-the-arts offense. Uh, pretty much that's that's the world in which we live this year. And I tell you what, if we had that expanded playoff field this year, I think it would create a lot of interest because there are just a lot of teams that could say, hey, we're as good as so-and-so. We could get in that mix. We don't have it, but – I think it does create a lot of interest and a lot of uncertainty. 
Great point, John, because if Tennessee were, were to win this week at LSU, you know, they'd be sitting in prime position there midway through the season in a four-team playoff. Still a bit of, you know, still a long shot for Tennessee to get into a four-team playoff. Going to need to upset, at a minimum, Alabama or Georgia. In a 12-team playoff, if they were to win at LSU this weekend, you'd be thinking, Tennessee's in good shape for a 12-team playoff, even if it lost to Alabama and Georgia. It's it's going to change the outlook for a lot of teams. It's going to bring a lot more SEC teams in the playoff contention deeper into the season. Um, some of those teams will get in, some won't, but you're going to have a lot of teams in the middle of this conference uh, that are in the in the playoff conversation once it does expand to 12 teams, which is a moot point for now. It's a couple years down the road at least. Adam wanted to get into a couple injuries from from Tennessee. Uh, I guess the the news portion of of this episode. Warren Burrell, I mentioned out for the season, wasn't a, a great defensive back, but he was he was a starter at a position that isn't all that deep on talent. So a notable absence the rest of the way. And then Cedric Tillman had surgery. Tennessee's top receiver sounds like he's questionable and maybe that's optimistic for his availability against LSU. Yeah. With Tillman, I would say questionable at best. Uh, so for, for people that don't know the, uh, the sort of the NFL scale, um, questionable is 50, 50 probables, 75% doubtful is 25%. So I'd, I'd put him somewhere in, in, in between that 25 to 50% chance. I mean, the thing is he, he had the surgery that Tua had at Alabama a couple of times, and, and Tua came back in a reasonably short amount of time. But that's the difference between a guy taking a three- or five-step drop at, uh, at quarterback and then a guy who, who's having to sprint and make hard cuts every single play at wide receiver. It's you know, You're asking more of somebody to do – you're asking a wide receiver to do more with that ankle, so I think that maybe pushes – the recovery time back a little bit more for Tillman. I would say he's questionable at best right now for LSU. I think the maybe the more optimistic way to look at it is they would like to get him back for Alabama. With uh, with Warren Burrell, I mean, you know, the quick reaction is that when Warren Burrell was at corner the first couple of games, he was struggling anyway. He was serviceable last year as a starter, not great. Alante Taylor was actually their better was obviously their better corner, but if you take the coach's uh, evaluation as gospel, uh, this is a pretty big loss. Now, that, that's if, if you trust uh, the coach's evaluation of, of him. Because in the first two games when Warren Burrell was available, uh, they they didn't look to a third corner. Uh, the Pitt game was the only one that they had, uh, that they played a Power 5 opponent with Burrell uh, in the lineup, and they only played him and Kamal Haddon, only two corners the entire game until Burrell got hurt with two plays left, and they put Christian Charles in. So so the coaches were saying by their evaluation, by their judgment, there was a large gap between their first two corners and their third. Well, now that second and third corners are their starters, and I think you could argue that there's a pretty big gap after that, but they're going to have to explore that gap because they have to. They can't play the rest of the season with two corners. Uh, Deshaun Rucker and Brandon Turnage were the next options. They played against Florida. They got torched in the two or three plays that they played. They were pulled out. They're probably going to be given another chance. D. Williams, the junior college transfer, has not played yet. Josh Hopple says he's ready. He's healthy enough to make his debut this week. 
he's the obvious guy that that could help them if he can look the part. That's not the easiest place to make your your Division One debut at, at Death Valley, but we'll see. And then they could move guys. They could eventually this season they could go to Christian Harrison, uh, the former NFL great Rodney Harrison's son. Uh, Christian Harrison Harrison is a freshman. He eventually will get into the rotation, but that was thought to be probably next year. He could be moved up into the depth chart. So they're going to try everything, and it was their weakest position already probably, corner-wise, and it's even weaker by, by losing Burrell. At the, uh, you know, the one game against a Power 5 opponent that they did not have Burrell, they gave 450 yards to Florida, and that that's not a good – they're going to have to do something different schematically, personnel or something. I think it's interesting that we're talking about a position of weakness and then one of strength because at wide receiver against Florida, Tennessee lost uh, Cedric Tillman, their all-SEC star receiver, and the offense functioned quite well. You just get the feeling that no matter whom he put Josh Heupel puts in there at receiver, that offense will roll, whereas defense it's just, just the opposite. Warren Burrell – Though he didn't dazzle anybody, he was starting for a reason. So, uh, yeah, that that makes you wonder now. If what's what if another corner goes down, and then you have to dig a little deeper into that depth chart? Just how good will this team be in the secondary? I mean, that's the main question we have about this team already: is the secondary can they can they cover people well enough and to win big games? Barely survive Florida. You know, and Alabama and uh, Georgia upcoming, plus LSU, though the passing game has been erratic, it does have really good receivers. There are good receivers uh, with LSU, obviously, yes. And then, But then when you even look beyond that, because Burrell's not coming back, when you look beyond that, you've got Bryce Young at Alabama, you've got Will Levis, Kentucky, you've got Stetson Bennett at Georgia. There are good quarterbacks and good experienced passers uh, coming up on Tennessee's schedule. So, this problem is not gonna not gonna go away. So they have to find a solution. I, I do think also the the contrast that you make, John, between a wide receiver and corner, I think also could be indicative of what Tennessee faces in in recruiting and probably even more so in the transfer portal moving forward. Because it's not hard to sell this offense to wide receivers. They did it to Brew McCoy, which has been the uh, you know their best fill-in uh, for Cedric Tillman in terms of production since he went he went down. They went and got got him, and hit, that's a five-star level player from USC. They could not go and get that same type player at corner, and I think they could face that in future seasons when you're going into the portal and you're trying to sell what you have. You could say, hey, if you come here as a wide receiver, you're going to get a lot of passes. It's going to be a fun offense, and you're going to go to the NFL. If you come here at corner. You're coming to a situation where this is the worst pass defense in the SEC. You would think you could sell that and say, hey, that means there's opportunities for you to play, but it usually doesn't go that way when you're when you're shopping for players. Tennessee looks like a place where you do want to play if you are a quarterback for sure. And Hinden Hooker is is showing that. He's flourishing in Josh Heupel's offense. And I think one of the I guess minor subplots coming out of Saturday was the Heisman outlook. You know, there's jockeying every week, and we've talked before. Really, the Heisman so much comes down to what do you do in those marquee November matchups? Voters are so heavily swayed by that. 
And that being said, you know, a couple of the guys being mentioned in the Heisman race after the first month of the season, Michael Penix at Washington. He struggled in a, in a loss for Washington last Saturday uh, through a couple of interceptions. Stetson Bennett for Georgia, eh, he was just okay. You know, I mean, Georgia, as we mentioned, had all it could handle from Missouri and, and Stetson Bennett, kind of a pedestrian performance, completed just over 50% of his passes, didn't look like Heisman-type stuff. Bryce Young, the reigning Heisman winner, suffers a sprained shoulder. Nick Saban says it's not serious. He's day-to-day, but still, it was serious enough to knock him out of the last two and a half quarters of that game. I don't see anything here that's hurting Hinnon Hooker. I, I think the Heisman outlook for him at this juncture of the season is about as good as you could have hoped. Well, I mean, I, I think we know where this is going to go. This is going to be a Tennessee quarterback who deserves the Heisman and then a, a defensive player. Somebody will say, well, a defensive player needs to get it, uh, and then Will, will Anderson will get it, and uh, ESPN will be to blame <laughs> for that. History repeats itself. But, I mean, certainly when you look in the SEC, there's been different quarterbacks that have gotten the spotlight and quickly stepped out of it. I mean, even if we look early, a preseason hype, Spencer Rattler, he wasn't in it for, for two minutes. Will Levis is not in it. Hooker's in it as much as anybody if you're talking about SEC quarterbacks. Um, I, I'm told that somebody outside the SEC can win can win the Heisman, uh, so that this may be the year simply because it's not good options. But Hinton Hooker's right in the middle of it, and he should be. Yeah, I think uh... – from when you think where Hendon Hooker started his career at Tennessee after transferring from Virginia Tech, he wasn't even the starter. So I think he's come a long way pretty fast. And and I think it would be really noteworthy if he could make it to New York and be one of the finalists. I think that's that's very reasonable. I think his his status was enhanced by some guys dropping off this past weekend when Hendon Hooker wasn't playing. But ultimately, as you said it earlier, Blake, it's going to come down to those late season games, those big games. If you distinguish yourself in one of those and you're in the running, that that often determines the winner. Guys, is this a is this a trap game for Tennessee? I mean, first of all, I hate that phrase, so I don't know why I just used it. But in in keeping with that phrase, usually you know, you look at games on the schedule where maybe the, the the larger game looms in the future. Well, you know, Tennessee has that CBS game in a couple of weeks, third Saturday in October, rivalry with Alabama. Could be a top 10 matchup, could be a uh, Heisman storyline there with Bryce Young going against Hinton Hooker. Those type of games, you wonder, like, is the team going to be looking ahead? And then you have LSU you know, after the first month of the season, it was receiving some buzz about, ooh, LSU looks like it's improving under Brian Kelly. They did. They did look like that. They look like they're improving when they played Mississippi State. Then they go on the road at Auburn, and, you know, nothing impressive about that win other than they just got it done. But nothing nothing really in terms of the on-field play was impressive. All that seems to suggest Vols are going to roll, you know. Vols by 50 on Saturday in Baton Rouge. But... I don't know. I just still don't think it's going to be that easy. I, I think this is a game that that could be a little harder than it looks. Yeah, I, I've uh, I don't think trap game. I don't I don't think that's what it'll come to. I mean, it road. It's the first SEC road game. Um, I think there's some some things built into this that will get the team up, or at least prevent the team from being down. 
I think behind closed doors, I just sense that coaches are making sure they feed players all the information they need to tell them that you're not at an advantage this week. Um, you know, we had, we we get a few players this week interviewing them and ask them about the um, the atmosphere that they expect at Tiger Stadium and the noise and how they'll adjust to that and how they'll function in the offense with that. And and these players would answer. It doesn't matter when the kickoff is. It's it's doesn't matter how early it is. We're not at an advantage because of that. And they were answering questions that they weren't asked, which usually is an indication that these are things that coaches told them uh, when the team met. That guys, you're going to be told that it's an advantage. You're playing early. It's not. You're going to be told you guys practice early, so this is great for you. For you, that's that's not the case. You're going to be told that it's not going to be as loud because it's earlier in the day. That's also not the case. Um, I, I sense that coaches behind closed doors are trying to tell this team, um, don't expect this to be easy at all because it's going to be really difficult. Now, all those things that I just said are, are slight benefits to Tennessee, um, but you certainly can't think of those going down there because it, it's going to be a tough atmosphere regardless of the time of day it is. Coaches are absolutely terrified at the thought the player would think we're going to have a going to have a good time of it and against anybody they they want you to be uh, fighting for your lives so I'm sure that sounds like a group speak Adam so <laughs> I'm glad you I'm glad you picked up on that but I, I I don't think of it as a trap game because I I think LSU sneaked into the bottom of one of the top twenty five polls this week. So it's not even though it struggled against Auburn, it's a play away from being unbeaten. It was that weird, controversial game against Florida State that it lost. Hasn't got a really great win. So although Mississippi State win looks pretty good when you think about it, LSU's the only team to beat Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State had a passing offense, so completely different from Tennessee's. So I think this will be a really hard game for Tennessee, but you kind of got to like uh, Tennessee's offense, the way it scores on everybody. And and LSU hasn't shown it could match a lot of scoring. Well, now, John, you mentioned there that LSU is uh, – they snuck into the polls. And the AP poll, they're number 25. So if you go by the AP poll, Tennessee, if they won this game, would have three top 25 wins in their first five games. The last time Tennessee had three top 25 wins through five games – was 1998. So if you want to go ahead and start the, it's it's 98 all over again. <laughs> that's that that's uh that's where you, that's where you would start it because Tennessee has not has not faced this tough of tough of competition and gotten through it uh, since that national title season. It's it's not apples to apples, but there's every reason for Tennessee to circle this one and say that there's a lot on the line. Fans are were saying that after the Florida game, they they usually say something like. You know, it's starting to seem a little like 1998. You know, it, it kind of feels like 98 again. Win some close games, which that that team did early in the year. So sit back and enjoy, fans. Yeah, all you got to do is look at the inflation rate and realize that it is not, in fact, 98. Inflation <laughs> was, was good in those days. Uh, okay, we'll leave it there, guys. All the coverage of Tennessee's game at LSU can be found at knoxnews.com. Adam will will have the game breakdowns and, and your analysis leading up to the game. You can check out John's commentary, and we will be back here 
next week to recap. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Volunteer State. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.